because like 90% of your day, you'll be going through an old program, you know? And so you're, it's, it's kind of hard to like think your way out of something, but, but you can, like you can change your belief systems and you can really work with yourself if you're super diligent, if you're meditating every single day, you know, you can change a program and think your way into creating something new. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another solo one-on-one episode of Throwing Tantrums. Today, we have Safira, but not just B-girl Safira, it's professional Safira today. This is the most professional I've ever seen her. Because here's, here's the thing with, with dancers. Most of the time, you see them in uh, their sweatiest and they're the most casual most comfortable because we're wearing sweats and when we and when we go out it or when we see people in their professional attire it's kind of weird it's like an entire different identity yeah Uh, yeah if it's your first time hopping on over onto this episode my name is emro your host of throwing tantrums also as a director of the company temper tantrum and uh, today we have the amazing safira take it away introduce yourself a little bit about you your origin story how you got into dancing all that stuff well, hello. Yeah, thank you for, uh, for hosting this space for us. I'll just tell you where I'm at right now. Um, I'm in my office right now, and this is the space where I do hypnotherapy and I do readings for people. I do clairvoyant energy readings. So that's a huge part of my life is the whole healing world, and I do yoga and that whole thing. But it came from a completely different environment, which is why I started off girling and I was in high school just after high school I was an athlete most of my life I soccer but then after high school right after high school I got connected with some martial artists and then there were these b-boys around and I started getting interested in breakdancing and I don't know when I was younger I was super athletic and super I just wanted to be able to do what all these guys could do like I wanted to be able to stand on my hands I wanted to be able to flip around and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I, I got really into b-girling when I was, I don't know, 18. And that was a whole world. I lived back in Cleveland, Ohio. And was that where you're from? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I lived there for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, that's where I went to high school and I moved, I've lived all over though. I've lived in like New Orleans and LA and San Francisco and New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, all over. But yeah, I went to high school in Cleveland. And so there's a huge scene out there. There's a huge hip hop scene and breakdancing scene. That's, that's actually small enough to to have like a real community. You know, LA has a, a different type of community. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what's the difference from your experience? I've never been to like, I've the all the places I've visited for in terms of the breaking community were always cities. Yeah. Like yeah. the, big, the big cities, like in the East Coast, like New York and all that. Like, yeah, Cleveland is just a smaller community. So you, everyone knows each other. Like everyone knows all the B-boys and there's only a couple spots to train at. And hmm. everyone goes to those, those two spots, you know, all together. And it's, I don't know, it was a really cool time. But I was also struggling with a lot of stuff when I was younger. I had like parents divorced and I had uh, just not a lot of support within the family and so I went through a lot of emotional stuff I went through uh, I had some trauma I had some like 
just a lot of confusion about my life and where I was going. And uh, that whole breakdancing community and martial arts community kind of took care of me in that time. It was like 18 to 20, I was in this total like chaos of like, what, what am I going to do with my life? And I was, you know, really struggling with some, some stuff at home. There were some real things that were bothering me that were going on. And I don't know, breakdancing was, was this total release, freedom, space. It was a place where I could go feel really strong and really powerful and stronger than I was feeling at home and, and a place where I could blow off a lot of steam and then just have a super dope community and have a super dope music scene happening as well. Like the music was also really inspiring and there was a lot of, there's a multiple, there's multiple things that were happening. There was like the musicians that were around and there were festivals happening and there were shows and then there were the b-boys and there was a whole community and the guys used to come over to my house and we just practiced in the living room and that, yeah. I mean I think the fact that b-boys came over to my house to practice in my living room really changed like affected my my life in a positive way because things are not happy at home and so having that support system and a way to blow off steam was life-changing it was really that was so important for me I I needed breakdancing at that time I needed it I needed to feel my strength at that time and and I did. I learned how to stand on my hands and spin on my head and <laughs> battle b-boys in a cipher. And Ooh. yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was really cool to be able to stand up to these guys and, you know, jump in a circle with a whole bunch of guys in a club or something and then be like super strong and stand up. Yeah, that's props, dude. Because especially since breaking is very male dominant right now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But- there was a small enough community there that I think it was it, it was welcomed, you know, to have those a couple girls that I was with at that time. It was a lot of fun. When so, what do you call it? So when you started first started learning how to break, but you said you learned it after when you were taking cap uh not capo. Capoeira, so, yeah. Yeah, was it capo? Yeah. Yeah, it just yeah. made sense like for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, when uh, was it like an open space like what, uh, no, actually I'm going to be more transition it what was it like when you first started learning your move the first movements was it like was it easy because of all the athleticism the martial arts that you were already doing or was it like struggle bus because like oh what the fuck is this it was it was both yeah i mean i was training capoeira at the same time and so that's where there was this intersection and some b-boys would come to the capoeira classes and and then we would go over there and so you know when you're training how to lift yourself on the ground and move with your hands on the ground, then it makes it a lot easier to do some of these moves. But there is definitely stuff I could not do that the strength required that these guys had when they were doing like air flares and stuff like that. Oh, God damn. Like, how, how do you do that? And so and there was a huge learning curve. I actually never learned to do air flares, but you know, windmills and things like that. There was a huge learning curve of how to get your body to do these things. Yeah. So when did you come to LA? When did what was the the, the decision? Was it like to pursue a dance as a career, or were you fat your family moved here, or is it just uh, a change of scenery? I actually lived in San Francisco for a really long time. So I've been in the Bay Area. Or had been there for 
know, seven years. And I was dancing up there and I got involved with something, came down for a battle in LA, came down for a workshop, came down for a bunch of things and started to realize that there's a lot more going on in LA. And I had, you know, when you're actually in the Bay Area, there's a lot of judgment towards LA. Everyone in the Bay is like, oh, the industry, oh, Hollywood. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, like I feel, I, I hear similar things. It's like, I don't know, there's like this hatred from, not maybe hatred, but like this disdain from the Bay to LA. Uh, and like, yeah. I love the Bay Area. And I, I, I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if people in LA feel the same, but it's like, what did we do? Uh, but I could see. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's the industry. And it's also like in the Bay Area is like more organic. And they're like, we we don't need big business. We don't need the industry. We don't need Hollywood. We're like organically in the arts. And, and I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on, which is cool because it keeps people in the purity of an art form. Yeah. You know? The industry. Yeah, I could definitely see that because the industry can can make the the joy of can suck the joy out of dancing yeah i almost like stopped after going to so many like auditions and i didn't make any of them so i was like i was at the point where i was like am i supposed to be doing this i didn't like that the process of auditioning especially when i didn't have the quote-unquote look they're looking for yeah so that's the part where i was like i'm judged mainly for a look not yeah. not necessarily the talent i have so and yeah that's why yeah that's why there's this big separation between the bay and la yeah i can i can mess with that yeah because the scene up there is dope <laughs> yeah. yeah it is yeah so uh, yeah after like about the la like you said there oh was yeah yeah i just but i also also realized that like people in la were working a little harder i realized that there's a lot of people in the industry that are just really really grinding Mm. People, the musicians and dancers that were grinding. Like the more I came to LA, I was like, oh, "You're serious." Like, and if there is an element of in when things are not for work or your career that they don't you don't take it as seriously. So there's a lot of part-time dancers in the Bay, and here I was really inspired by the people that were doing it full time and really, really, really doing it. You know? mm. And and so I came to LA and I got I got into this dance scholarship program at Debbie Reynolds. Um, Ooh, Debbie Reynolds is making an impact, right? Damn. <laughs> and I've heard so many people like the the scholarship program there like impacted so many people. Yeah, yeah, it was a it's a really strong program. I had never done choreography before Debbie Reynolds. Like I had been in a freestyle world of you know, like a house dance in the nightclubs, capoeira and breakdancing, you know, and whew, that was rough. It <laughs> 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 was a rude awakening. I was like, oh, like I want to be around some real artists. Well, I got to be around some real artists and <laughs> that was rough. So I didn't, I didn't want to stay in the choreography world after I did the program because I was like, this is, this is like too much. There's just too, like this, the whole style is a different, it was a different form of dance too. It's like a different, you know, it's a choreography hip hop, which is not breakdancing. It's like just diff very different. And so. Super, yeah. Different yeah. foundation, different, every, yeah. So I kind of didn't realize I was getting myself too. I didn't realize I was, I was signing up to learn a new art form you know so but now i have a little bit of both now i can do choreography at some level and i'm not I also not as focused on like dancing as i am the yoga and all these other things you can business around that and taking off so 
So now I'm, I'm kind of in different worlds, like a, a little bit of breaking and then I'm doing some more choreography and, and then working with them. Oh, and I'm belly dancing. Forgot about that. Yeah, I'm also belly dancing. How'd you get into belly dancing? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> it's like one day I'm just on a stage. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. I'm like, wait, I missed the first of my own story. Yeah, Bay Area, what was happening? I do have, I have a lot. I've had a lot of like trauma and emotional stuff that's happened because of home and family and stuff. And so I think that breaking thing helped me in a particular time of my life where I needed to to feel power in my body and to fight mm. and the other piece of it was feeling comfortable in my own skin and feeling settled and at peace within within my body and mm. I just happened across um, a belly dancer and she invited me to her class in San Francisco and I started going and found this space uh, where it was super feminine. It was a lot more tighter, smaller movements and space for wow. me to really work within my own body in an internal way. Like breakdancing is very external. It's very like big and strong. And then belly dancing is very internal and like working with smaller muscles and, and like subtler movements. That's cool. Yeah. So it was it was actually really healing for me. It was a an art form that brought me to the other end of the spectrum of like healing. Yeah, uh, it's almost like you discovered or, or these parts of you through these art forms. Like you're, I guess one would say, the masculine energy from breaking and the feminine energy from uh, from belly dancing because they're mm-hmm. completely different executions, different types of energy, different types of movement quality. Yeah. That's yeah. freaking cool, dude. I got chills when you're actually while you were just telling that story. Because <laughs> it's it's really I don't know. What is intriguing is the discovery of yourself through the art forms mm-hmm. or the healing. So Yeah. I mean it was a, I mean these these art forms shaped a large part of my personality, you know, because when I was in high school I was really shy. I was really, really scared to speak and I was that person that sat in the back of the room that like didn't say anything, you know, and Breakdancing forced me, like, to, you know, push and stand up and be strong. And then the belly dancing really got me to, like, love myself more. Wow. This yeah. is so cool. I, I, I can definitely relate in the sense of high school, like, where I was quiet in class, but I was also very angry in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, teenage angst and all that shit. But, <laughs> like, we all have it. Yeah. And then uh, when I discovered dance, there was, like, a sense of, like, confidence i felt more i felt like there was a proper release of this angst so to speak or this anger like because now i was putting all that energy to rehearsals and performing and then it seemed to calm me down in many places in life yeah i think the arts are so important because of that you know it really feeds the soul it really does it's a shame that uh, i don't know how it is in other counties or in states, if you guys are listening to this in an out out of state, but like the cut, the the fact that a lot of the arts are being cut, it shows like how undervalued it really is, especially for mental health. Uh, especially since there's, I think there there's dance movement therapy now. There's I think therapy we're involving painting because it, it involves you to. Pr- in just my theory and speculation, it just involves a different part of your mind, you know, left brain, right brain, because we're so like active and trying to pr- 
problem solve and all this other stuff. So I, I kind of want to transition into like yoga, like how you went into that. Cause there were like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you, you covered already. Like I primarily use yoga as my, as a form of recovery. Like, but I feel, I, I feel like I suck at it, but then I just, I don't go to like, I don't tell anyone I do it or I prefer doing it solo. But how did you get into yoga and then how did you start your practice or teaching it? It's, it came with along, you know, along with the dancing the whole time. There's two kind of major reasons why I used it. One, one was trauma. Like I, again, had a lot of stuff going on internally and at home. And when I found yoga, it was a space of healing. And there's breathwork practices that you can do in yoga that will help you to release um anxiety and um, emotions out of your body. And so I started doing those pretty intensely through an organization that, that worked, you know, on deeper levels of healing and everything. And, and actually like the, the breath work through yoga completely healed my trauma. Like I, I would have like, um, panic attacks and anxiety and things like that. And yeah. the breath work, it really just like, it just calmed my nervous system and like got everything to, um, release out of my wow. So there was, you know, a lot of, there was the break dancing. I was in a fight or flight response, you know, like I was really like traumatized. I was scared. There was lots of things going on and I was fighting mm-hmm. through break dancing. But I also found yoga as this place of um, actually re-regulating my nervous system. Like the breath work actually does the healing and it, it helped me to all my nervous system and release out of that fight or flight response and i you know i i think i've lost a little bit of the drive to break dance because at the time i had that fight or flight response going on that like pushed me and i was like i'm gonna win i'm gonna do this and i just don't have that anymore like i thing was going on inside of me like i healed it so i don't have that like need to that fight. chip on your shoulder <laughs> yeah yo i feel similar i, I did like uh, i meditated for a year straight after i got out of jail mm. and it was it was when i had to like i was in the courts like they told me 52 weeks anger management 52 weeks all this stuff and then i knew like a lot of it was and i already did meditation but casually because I was, I was mindful, like, how the benefits of it. But that year of just meditating every day straight was life-changing. Yeah. Because, like, I'm, I'm a believer of, like, the whole breath controls the mind, mind controls the body, or something like that. But, like, of how powerful the breath is. So uh, yeah, when you were you saying that is just powerful. And it's it brought new meaning to what you – to the phrase, dude, take a breath. <laughs> Because people would tell me that when I was getting pissed. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm breathing. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the proper breathing way and then implementing that. And then when I get triggered, even now, it's like the simple pause, breathe. is just like, and so you can respond instead of react is so powerful. And I'm totally with you about not having the drive to battle anymore. (laughs) Because I'm like, yeah. I feel like I've chilled out. I, yeah. I mean, and I'm like, eh. but yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I recently, I battled Tabasco like <laughs> earlier this year. And that's probably because I had a couple of drinks. 
<laughs> the fire came back real hard. I'm like, like I was not very, I was not gonna lose that battle, but yeah. But I mean, I don't actively seek out to try to prove myself or I, or want to win. I just want to enjoy the art now. I just like I just want to enjoy the art of movement. But yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I also enjoy yoga. That's <laughs> part for the recovery, but it's the the heavily the involvement of the breathing and being super mindful mm-hmm. of yourself and I, I i was doing it this morning for recovery it's how when we're super present especially with these some of these poses where i can't do it like there's a lot of inner turmoil or storm happening but i have to remain calm in the middle of it i'm like damn this is like every time i feel that i was like this is a metaphor that people need to go through <laughs> like like knowing how to be calm in the middle of their when there's an external storm versus you know internal yeah yeah i mean the breath work really really helps and it i mean it does calm the nervous system you know and i found a lot of healing in it and i've seen a lot of my clients now heal like people really can heal from sickness and illnesses through down regulating the nervous system which because when the nervous system is heightened all the other systems shut off because there's some type of you know, problem. And so other, a lot of like the digestive system, the circulatory system, they will slow down. So if you can downregulate the nervous system through all these breathing practices, the other stuff turns back on, the circulatory system and the musculoskeletal system, which won't heal if you, you had a lot of injuries too. So I had to learn how to calm my nervous system and allow these things to heal, you know, because the other systems will get turned off if we're in a heightened stress response. Oh, so because, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because if you're in a constant fight or flight kind of mode, I mean, it can make sense why people are experiencing some sort of anxiety and all that stuff. But then also disease, like the anxiety then will lead to physical illness, you know, because there's some of these systems are actually turning off, like so that you can be in an intensive stress response and be on alert. Like that's what the body needs to do is if the nervous system is heightened and you're on alert and you're on a stress response all the time, mm. other things fall by the wayside. So the body says, oh, well, we don't need digestion right now. Oh, well, we don't need like, uh, I don't know what, what other systems. We don't need like a, some of the blood flow to the lower limbs, right? Or whatever. It's It just slows down. And then the nervous system is causing a lot of other things to go on like heightened thought and anxiety and all of this stuff. But when all of that calms down, the other systems will balance out. And if a person has gotten to the point of disease, like the body will just start to heal itself. And so I've seen through the breath work and yoga practices, people actually healing from illnesses that they don't really know why they heal. They're just like, oh, it's gone now. <laughs> uh, do you think some, some things that people go through are just psychosomatic because it's like, they, oh, absolutely. They, but, they, but, uh, their body is holding on to a certain thing. Yeah, but it's also like it, it will actually increase your heart rate. You know, so it's, it's psychosomatic, but it's real. Like, the, you know, someone's having a, an issue with their, you know, in their relationship that's always putting them in a stress response. You know, they're always, hmm. and they're increasing their blood pressure. You know, they're increasing their heart rate, you know, and, so that does actually affect you physically. You know, 
or you're always getting into an argument with your partner and you're always stressed out and you're not, <laughs> you're always, you know, then your blood might not be flowing correctly. You might have high blood pressure, you know, and then that actually will turn into yeah, okay, that makes sense because my mom's dealing with uh, my grandma right now who has uh, dementia and it's gotten worse. And then my, you know, my grandma has forgotten, sometimes forgets who she is or she just, who my mom is and she and she's just like kind of verbally attacking it. So it's getting hard on my mom so I can see why. And part of that was, I think I shared with you guys the whole company that something happened with my mom so she uh, had to be hospitalized because of high blood pressure so oh. i can yeah oh. because of like the Stress. it being constantly there you know yeah aside from like i i i'm pretty sure for those of you listening i mean there's also like the food she eats as well that can mm-hmm. affect it but it, and i think a lot of factors in that a lot of inputs can affect us as human beings and a lot of yeah. it is, a lot of which are subconscious decisions, like based off our beliefs and all that other stuff. We just like, oh, just subconsciously make a choice or we just tolerate it instead of change it. Yeah. And, you know, something like a yoga practice or a breathwork practice, if you have, even if you had only 20 minutes a day of a practice of a breathwork practice as part of your life, you're constantly like bringing yourself back to zero. You know, and you're constantly down-regulating the nervous system, which will keep you sane enough to be able to handle whatever is happening. Yeah, like when I when I was meditating for a year straight, I went. I only did it as simple as like five, ten minutes max, because I was I had to like you know, especially us working, we're like go 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 go, the five ten minutes. And this is what I did with my previous company, family business or dad competitive crew. We used to fe- uh, family business. I, I was about to say feminine business. <laughs> <laughs> we used to meditate for five minutes before every rehearsal. Oh, like it was wow. a it was a must. That was for everyone to come back to baseline. Yeah, to not bring the stress of school work relationship shit all this stuff to come back to like baseline to calm down now five minutes to yourself and then boom and i would hear a lot uh, from a lot of them was like are we we're meditating today right like oh i'm looking forward to this meditation because it's like probably the only me time that they had that day yeah so and then that's uh, something i do intend for us in temper attachment to do as well like to, oh uh, that'd be great because yeah. it's a it's a good like simple like just breathing like even uh, a simple like self-care tool doesn't require a lot just mm-hmm. requires <laughs> time and patience with yourself and a lot of people just especially within our society it's super like I ain't got time for that I got to do this I got to do xyz but now we're in the corona zone <laughs> like we got people have got plenty of time and people yeah. are kind of like trying to figure out what to do with themselves many not doing not doing so well some others have discovered old hobbies or bettering themselves yeah but yeah that's what we used to do it was like even oh my my past students who were who i used to teach in when they were kids like 13 through 16 i had them start meditating at that age and then i was on a podcast with them recently two weeks ago or last week Mm -hmm. they're still it's still one of the tools that they use today Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah that's amazing yeah. 
I mean, it's so good to have that in your toolbox. Yeah. So I was talking about Corona. How is that? How has it impacted your life schedule? Everything. Oh my God. How is it not? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, damn. This year I was supposed to travel to the Middle East. I was hoping to do a workshop in New York, a yoga workshop. I was, and this is all yoga stuff to go teach. And I was hoping to be able to teach in Bali uh, and not to mention our, our dance company and rehearsals and shows. We had a lot. We had a lot of things, you know, like I think we had all the way up to the San Francisco uh, Pop Dance Festival. Yeah. Right. And that's going to be very soon, that time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the last time submissions are supposed to be this month or something. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, my whole life fell apart. <laughs> so, like, basically. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> I mean, I lost a lot of clients. I was going to people's homes to teach yoga, and I, you know, lost all my clients, and lost classes I was teaching at different gyms and things like that. So I just had to restructure everything and put it all online. So now I'm teaching classes online and I'm seeing all my clients online and trying to dance online now. I mean, it's so weird to me to take a dance class on a video, but I'm, you know, I don't know what else to do. I'm like, all right, I need to dance. So I'll just turn on these different YouTube videos and Instagram things. Nice. Like how, how, what was your, I guess, step-by-step, how did you start adjusting from like in real life classes to online classes? Cause I think that's a, especially as a instructor, I feel like when all these places are shut down, it takes a huge toll. Uh, mm-hmm. So how, how, what did you do to start transitioning? Did you just instantly go on zoom? Did you just put videos out first? Did you start mailing people, emailing people? I started actually one-on-one, you know, having personal clients and then saying, hey, uh, did you want to try a yoga class online? And then I would get one person in a video and just kind of set up in my living room and got this, uh, I had already had screens, um, so I put these screens up behind my yoga mat and got the whole setup going and then just got a momentum with it. And I was like, oh, well, I, sh- I can do this. Like, I could make all of my classes online. And then I started just telling more people, and it was all really organic like they, a couple people will come to this thing a couple people will come to that thing um moving on up productions at Métis Yoga who there in the beginning of COVID they put all of their classes online and so I got a few people from that and then nice I think a month and a half maybe two months into COVID I was like all right need this solid schedule and it needs to be emailed out to everyone and it needs to be like people on my Instagram and so then I put the schedule together and not everyone I mean, that, I mean that, it's not like the biggest hit in the world I have like three students <laughs> but it still what I love is the transition and the adaptability mm-hmm. like if one thing that's really been like I'm a huge fan of the human spirit like I acknowledge that we're capable of great good but we also suck sometimes. <laughs> but like what I've been loving is hearing the, how people have adapted to the quote unquote new normal. Like I think we shared this on the, I shared this in the check-in meeting we did this past Sunday, like how Rosie went from really bummed, un- unsure what to do, frustrated at home to now she's actively training with on online, like uh, with other classes, mm-hmm. how Diego shifted one perspective about, 
some things you guys can listen to the group the, the group podcast and then shift it now so i'm being very vague with it uh, because it's more i want him to really share share it and i don't want to be the third person to misinterpret it mm. so but yeah like the the shift and it's been i think really powerful because it's like it shows that throw as humans throw us a situation we can adapt but you can on the news and social media we see also the people the inability to adapt mm-hmm. <laughs> aka my freedoms so. yeah yeah i mean what's happening with the protests and all is a lot i guess there's just going to be a lot of changes in the next year or so lots of changes all around yeah so uh, that what that's one thing that like that really blew me away because we met through moving on up productions on the road doing the rose parade and i thought you were just like oh another b-girl and then when you start working with us in timber tantrum and i'm looking for a proper photo for you for the company roster if i find that you're like in my eyes at least that you do all these really badass things in terms of traveling to teach like and for me that's kind of like on the back end to be honest like to be able to travel and still teach so how how did you start getting i'd say asked or get it get these opportunities to start teaching worldwide yeah it's, uh, interesting yeah it's so funny to, to hear from the dance perspective because i do feel like there's this two different lives that i have and so people in the dance world don't know you know what i'm doing over here and then people over here don't know that like i'm a b-girl like a hip-hop dancer like what's that? <laughs> yeah because i think you said you're gonna miss a few rehearsals because you're gonna be teaching yoga and bali yeah i was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> and then for a while i was telling you everyone in temper township you were out saving the world planting yeah. trees yeah. <laughs> i think i screenshotted that email and it was so funny yeah. i was like whoa this is yeah like i i you know i didn't expect that so that's why it was so fascinating so i was like yeah anyways go ahead <laughs> so sometimes i save trees around the world I'd say you're saving people through helping them with breath work. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've done so many yoga trainings uh, along the way. And again, organically, like it just organically happened. Like a teacher would ask me to assist something that I had just, I took this training the year before. And then the next year they asked me to assist it. Mm. And it was always in between things I was doing in San Francisco. So it was just like, you know, living and working as a dancer in San Francisco and performing and stuff and then I would get asked to go assist this thing and I would just leave town and so they were kind of separate worlds from the beginning but yeah I mean it's I just have different teachers around that have supported me in doing the work and teaching yoga and breath work and a little bit of qigong as well and it turns turned into because every time you do a workshop there's a ton of people there and so it's turned into clients and I got deeper into the healing work and I got a license to be a therapist. And so I started getting clients from these different workshops and it's built on its own and it's built to the level of, I mean, I've never would have ever guessed that I'd be doing this type of work, but working with women in the Middle East healing trauma and um, working with hypnotherapy and yoga and breath work and really, really, really helping with some things that I just never thought I would 
be doing. Like these women are amazing and they're dealing with just a, a, like a, an interesting time period right now where there's enough media around the world and information and international universities that the women are all hip to what's going on in the rest of the world and have been educated in London or the US or whatever and then come back home to a super tight traditional Muslim structure that's kind of locking them in to mm. the old stuff and so they're really looking for ways to live on their own and be independent and be healed of whatever has been going on for them and so it's just this great time in the Middle East right now where women are just actively healing themselves. They're actively seeking yoga. They're actively seeking hypnotherapy and how to change because, because, you know, the way that you've been brought up gets programmed into your subconscious and you can do um, breath work and hypnotherapy and uh, change your subconscious and, and repattern your subconscious. And so they're all trying to do that work and trying to get themselves out of some situations that haven't been so... That's so interesting because like as you're talking and you're talking about helping with the healing work, it's so interesting how you were looking at dance as a form of healing and healing yourself that you yourself have become the healer for others. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, all areas, I guess the dance has been really healing for me and, and the yoga and energy work and the therapy. Yeah. Like, let's go and talk about hypnotherapy real quick because I know we've talked about this and I, I know so many people probably are skeptical about it uh, but I, I think hypnosis works I've been hypnotized mm. uh, I the closest training I've been to hypnotherapy was NLP training mm. okay. so, yeah, yeah linguistic it's just like uh, yeah I've just used it I've used it for sales tactics <laughs> <laughs> people are using NLP for yeah, yeah, but I've also used it like for help shift in perspectives on certain things. Because what the I'd say the general population undervalue is the their power of words mm-hmm. and how it can be the thing that kind of trains them to believe a certain thing or perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, when I see people say like they can't do something, that's a simple like like way of telling the subconscious or like you know self-fulfilling prophecy of like yeah you're right you can't do it because you're saying you can't do it mm-hmm. no yeah might as well quit drop out quit your job <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah tell me a little bit more uh about let's go f- with how you got into the hypnotherapy uh, first off what is hypnotherapy for the people who don't know what it is mm-hmm. uh, because i'm pretty sure that there are some misconceptions about that mm-hmm. and then how you got into it So, yeah, hypnotherapy is working directly with the subconscious and basically reprogramming your brain. So there's therapy today where people are talking about their issues. And in hypnotherapy, you care less about the issue and more about when it first got stuck in the subconscious. And so you'll go back Mm. to want to regress someone and quite often there's many different techniques, but you can take someone into hypnosis what you're doing is you're taking, you're turning off the front brain. So the, the logic mind kind of controls things and says like, this is what I believe and this is what I'm doing and this is my final decision. Um, and it can block information from coming in, you know, because it's got a filter, a strong filter to it. But if you turn it off, 
and you go into a state of trance and you go into a state where the front brain or the logic brain isn't blocking, then you can input information into the subconscious. And what we'll do is we'll look for a time in a person's life when the belief, say you have a belief about money. You, I can't, I, our family is poor and we only mm. make over a, a certain amount of money every year. And this is how we live. And this is a lifestyle I know. And I made the decision when I was five because I saw my dad and blah, blah, blah. Well, that belief system is in there right? And you can be doing something in your life and you can be working your ass off for something in the world and you still have that belief system in there. So you're just going to constantly go back to that, mm -hmm. right? Because that's your reference point of how the world works, you know? So you go in and you turn off the conscious mind and the person's in like a light trance and then you restructure the memory around that belief and you get them believing that they have always known and always felt what it feels like to have a lot of money and have this certain lifestyle or whatever it is that they're asking about whatever it is they want. And um, you input that suggestion, you call it a positive suggestion, you input that suggestion into their subconscious and then their brain and body just starts believing that. It's like, oh, well, this is how the world works. I always make a ton of money. I always have like a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's one thing. I think it's it's just a very, I think the power of suggestion. One thing for people who, I'd say the layman, when people are going to, when you hear trance, it's not like, you know, you see a fucking clock swinging in front of you or uh, all that stuff. Like you, people can get into trances on the daily. Like if you've ever listened to music so good or like get lost in thought while you're driving and you miss your exit. Yeah. You're, that is a trance already. It, mm -hmm. it is not mystical. It is shit that happens every day. Hypnotherapists and all that stuff or people who can do hypnosis or even mentalists are just people who know how to use these, who are aware of these tools and use it. Like It's almost like you're dancing. You're, you see people who can break. They're showing the, the, that you can do these things with your body. Because they're aware of their body. Same thing with hypnotherapists. They know the power of the words and how it can be used to shift the mind. The regular person doesn't know, know it because, and then therefore they don't understand it. So, which creates a whole mysticism about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's very logical. Like when you, when you really get into it, it's not very mystical. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> my disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people people think of like, oh, this thing, like you're gonna get hypnotized. But yeah, I mean, we go into trance when we watch a movie, you know, mm -hmm. and that suggestion of whatever's in that movie is going into your subconscious, you know, mm -hmm. it's happening all the time, you know. So um, you can, if you learn this stuff, you can control your own mind. Like you can positively suggest to your own mind, and you can you can know when you're in trance and how to take yourself out of trance and what how to input some piece of information into your own brain you know and how you can kind of manipulate yourself yeah like, like you're talking about beliefs like the like the common ones are like oh, i'll never lose weight or all men are this all women are this mm -hmm. you know and that can come from even even at a young age i feel like much of it is from a young age, mm -hmm. which is so like why it's so vital, which is why I'm like, even while you were talking about that, like the whole like the whole money thing in my mind, I'm like, I, how am I raising my son right to have the proper belief system? But there's only so much I can do. 
because mm-hmm. then some way he's gonna have something he needs to work on oh yeah I, so, so like i so that's one, one thing that's out of my control but i'm just doing my best so he doesn't become a repeat of the past of like you know the whole thing of like you know this i guess the quote-unquote sins of our fathers or something that they mm-hmm. they don't treat the way the grandfather treated the you know the son and then just continues the endless cycle so i'm i for me i want to be the end of that cycle mm-hmm. so i can uh, yeah i mean check in with what he's saying you know the words that are coming out of his mouth or his belief system especially for a child like you can you can tell exactly what's going on in their subconscious and you can you can really work with it when they're younger it's easier yeah and then when you were talking about the, the whole youth thing it reminded me of something that i read in a parenting book why adults are the way they are is probably it's because they got stuck in a particular level of development that they never got out of which is why we're seeing some adults throw tantrums like toddlers Mm-hmm. Because they probably stopped receiving us, like in the book I read, they, receive, they stopped receiving a level of love to help them develop out of it. Yeah, that. And sometimes we have experiences that are so strong that that's what our memory goes back to. Like we have that, you got into a car accident when you were younger. It was a, it was a big, strong experience and feeling, and it can be associated with certain belief systems. Mm. And you're, you're, there's just weird things that we pick up that we hold on to our entire life. Like if you were with your dad in the car when you were eight and you got into a car accident, your eight-year-old self probably created a meaning about love with your dad because of that car accident. And because, it, because in that moment, let's say you guys got into an, an argument right before there was a car accident, the car accident was so strong in your memory that it all got lumped together and all got locked into your subconscious that dad doesn't love me because it was a strong event. You know, like there was this really strong moment that you remember for the rest of your life that, and that is associated with dad doesn't love me because we just found this argument. There's weird stuff that people kind of piece together. The human mind is wild because it, 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 it makes connections. It's a connection making machine. Yeah. And I think that's like, for, at least for me, and since like, you and I took a similar program uh, called MITT, mm-hmm. but like since I started doing that, I think there's a lot more people who are becoming aware of the self, the the subconscious, and how important it is for the, oh, yeah. the self work. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think there's a lot more left, but I we see it in the language, in my opinion, in in social media today. Mm-hmm. Like before. Like, I think the the next level of human evolution isn't like physical, but it's all the mental awareness, the evolution right. of the mind. So yeah. Like for yeah, like because uh, man, the the subconscious is like I don't know who said it, but the subconscious is really the 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 operating system, right? The, it's the operating system. Yeah, I mean, and you can you can really create things from thought alone. Like you can really. If you're working with it correctly, and I think a lot of people are not working with it correctly, you know, people are... Are talking about of, the secret? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff, and like trying to do positive thinking and stuff like that. Because like 90% of your day, you'll be going through an old program, you know? And so you're, it's, it's kind of hard to like think your way out of something, but, but you can. Like you can 
change your belief systems and you can really work with yourself if you're super diligent, if you're meditating every single day, you know, you can change a program and think your way into creating something new. Yeah, I, I agree. It just, it's really takes time. Like the, the if the, the operating system is like, you know, yeah. I'll never lose weight, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, then that kind of feeds into the subconscious thinking of like, I'm just going to eat whatever. But it, to make an improvement takes conscious effort because it's not easy, mm-hmm. you know, like the so like for me, it was a lot of a lot of it was really trying to control my anger. So, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't just be like, I think I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm going to think to be less angry. You know, it's like it's preparing myself, like doing that daily practice of meditation, because when that situation comes, I, I'll be more prepared for it. You know, you don't wait. You don't get ready when the situation comes you get ready before it happens so yeah part of that is if you were meditating every day you were changing your system mm, yeah changing the operating system you know so so that when another trigger came you probably were actually less triggered yeah that that that's so true like i even even now, like there's so many situations I imagine my, that I experienced this year that I know that have triggered me. And I always re- remember what I did in the past. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's so hard because you like the, because I don't know if, if it's just me or not, but like I could feel the old way wanting to be like, to go back into it. But mm-hmm. like in my head, I'm like, we've played, we, we watched this movie before. <laughs> let's do something else. i i i compare it to like going on a hike when there's a trail you know and everyone's been walking up this one trail and now it's a beaten path and so you, it's just like it would be logical to follow this trail mm. you know and so you just do but if maybe there's a better way to get to the top of this mountain right so maybe it's over here and nobody has walked on that trail so you're going to have to, to to walk on this trail and create the pathway. And if you do it enough times, you'll create an actual pathway that's going to be the faster route to get to the top of this mountain. But if you don't do it repeatedly and enough times to actually like create a pathway, you know, then it's not going to create, you're not going to be able to see it in the ground, you know, like there's not going to be an actual groove in the ground where you could hike up you know but yeah. you just go back to the pathway that you that's that's like beaten down you know so you can see this pathway obviously this works you know but it takes time if you keep walking that other path eventually then it's it's laid out and you can see it and it's strong enough that you will automatically go on that path mm, yeah so it's like again just like being deliberately making the choice yeah and so it, it takes a lot of I'd say emotional intelligence, yeah. like to be aware and self-awareness to catch yourself in that and the, the, like when, when you're triggered, cause, or yeah, <laughs> I think I, I have to give a lot of credit to, I'd say my early, I guess my introduction to emotional intelligence to MITT with the thing that we both mm. did. Like, and those, those of you who don't know what MITT is, it's a, it's a leadership training program, I, w- I would say, mm-hmm. in short, because you definitely learn a lot from it. it was, I originally, and it's, it's a leadership course, but it's, hmm. the way I thought about it was at first, it would help me get 
the next level of my career, you know, because I was feeling like I was at a, as a, a technical director at an animation studio. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool, what's next? All this stuff. Oh, you're so, yeah, because I wanted more. Like, mm-hmm. but I felt like because I was getting paid decently, but I felt like that, that, that void, so to speak. So, but for me, it was more like instead of reaching out, it was more like it became the mirror, so to speak. Like, what, like, it, they, it, be, it was a huge mirror to be like, That's to awesome. reflect and see where I need the work and how I show up for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, once you start breaking down, and it's all about your belief system. You start breaking down certain belief systems, like which MIPT forces you to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's like the I would say it's the Marine Corps of emotional intelligence yes. and leadership. Yes, Marine Corps. Yes. <laughs> it's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you ready to go there? But yeah, they really force you to break it down, and then you start to think about different different things to do, different ways of living. Okay, so I want to go back into like work and life and everything we, we really talked about like those subconscious and like i want to switch back into work life like how do you balance i say work and life now that work life balance so to speak now that it's all at home uh, for yeah. me like my work is here yeah. and it's hard to leave because you know regular people like office they leave work it stays at work you know mm-hmm. what i mean well i actually because I work with the subconscious, I know how to trigger myself into doing certain things. And so I wanted to keep my office. Like this this office here is the space for me to work. And I knew that going into this lockdown, like every, like all systems were going to be thrown off. And so I kept coming to my office and I've been coming to my office like this whole time because well it's an isolated office so I'm you know still social distance but but coming here definitely like I can focus here like this is the place of work and it um, has kept me in the zone and kept me you know continuing to uh, create and produce things I need to be working on and yeah, home and so home. I've made my my dance and yoga studio. So mm. like I've, I've created like this little schedule of I teach yoga in the morning in my living room, and I come to the office and I work, and I go home at, and I dance in the living room at night. You know, and so it's like kind of trying to create spaces where I do different things. Um, so I'll be lazy. I'll just be at home and like. Sit around, and not do anything. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Like I having a uh, a lazy day is something I'm trying to implement at least like once a month <laughs> or once a week because you know like it's it's so easy to be caught in like trying to get more to do more to try to get more, but sometimes like you know one step back, ten steps forward kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, this just came up into my mind when you're working with a lot of. Uh, clients in terms of hypnotherapy and that healing work it's it's therapy so i'm assuming that you're also taking on a lot of the the stuff that they share like the emotional baggage so to speak like i would feel i would assume that feels heavy i don't know i'm just i'm just i might just be making it this whole scenario up in my head but like no i think that i think that a lot of healers do that i think that a lot of people do do that and I think they haven't worked through their own shit. Like, that's why a lot of people are, you know, like, taking on things, um, feeling bad, hearing all these stories. I don't know. I feel in service to people, and I feel really, really happy that I can help someone. And Mm. 
I always feel better after doing sessions, even like the hard ones. I, you know, people dealt with rape and things and, you know, Man. traumas and massive debt or, you know, things, things that are really big. The fact that I can go in and support that makes me feel good. Wow, that's that's badass, man. <laughs> I also have a dance practice, you know? Like, after I'm done with all this stuff, I want to go dance. Like, I go to the dance studio. Oh, well, I used to. <laughs> yeah. You, did you go out with us that one time? Like, yeah, it's, it's just nice to go uh, out and just release the energy. Mm-hmm. I miss the one of the events I really miss, and it was shut down before Corona happened, was is the floor. What yeah. miss that? And uh, I don't know if you went out with us whenever we went to the the federal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just that energy of other people is I I miss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait yeah. until this is all done. Wear your mask, people. Come on. I we know. can do this. <laughs> I ask this question a lot for, for, to much much mature <laughs> I guess because I, I interviewed Rose yesterday and she's about 23 so she can't answer but like what would you say to your 16 year old self oh <laughs> gosh I mean I was a different person when I was 16 right um, I was a punker <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was a fighter <laughs> yeah what would I say just trust yourself I would say Trust yourself and, oh, you know what I would say is I would say to my younger self who was struggling with what am I going to do with my life? Like trust dance more. You know, I, I wish I, I could have really trusted the path of dance and, and known that it could be my healing mechanism because I could have, I think I could have done a lot more with it, you know? So I think I would tell my younger self that dance. That's dope. Yeah. That's badass. <laughs> For anyone who's like curious to do what you're doing, like in becoming a healer, like how would they get started? Because it's not, you know, go to school, become a doctor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just now that I'm getting all my social media stuff up, I just last night put up free 15 minute consultations on my Instagram. So I would say book a consultation and I can talk to you about it. Um, I will put that in the, in the link. (laughs) (laughs) Get yourself around um, people that are doing it. Yeah. I mean, get yourself around people. Um, I'm teaching classes every day. I'm teaching yoga and Qigong classes every day of the week. Just get yourself around the people that are doing healings, energy work, hypnotherapy, teaching yoga and, trauma healing i mean there's so many different modalities out there um, sure, and there's yeah. a lot of people out there doing the work that are um, that are especially in la i mean la has just so many people in the yoga world doing this work and there's a whole community around it there's a whole i mean there's like yeah. people that live in the woods that you know work regular jobs in la and there's people that live by the beach and you know are working for tech companies that are super involved in yoga and healing and so there's a whole there's a whole yeah. world in LA of people that are doing this Venice work. Beach is starting to, is like having its own like it has its own tech area yeah it's yeah wild yeah and those people are interesting like they're in the tech world and the healing world you yeah know, doing a lot with the, the healing arts so what, what what do you think are the important uh, characteristics or qualities a person needs to have to do healing First things 
about healing is the first thing really is that most people come to healing work because they needed to heal themselves. So do the work on yourself. Like that's the most important thing is you, mm-hmm. if you have the capacity to do healing work on yourself, to sit for a year and meditate, to go to yoga class every day, to get healing sessions from energy healers or shaman or yogis, you know, you have the capacity to work on yourself then you have the capacity to work on somebody else, you know? So what does it take? It takes you having the patience and ability to sit with yourself and reflect and look at yourself. Mm. If you Mm. can actually look at yourself and see uncomfortable truths about yourself, well, then you can change them, you Mm. know? And then you can sit and be that for somebody else. You have to do the work on yourself. Mm. That reminds me of my favorite Blaise Pascal quote. All of men's troubles stem from man's inability to sit with a, in a room by himself alone <laughs> so i I'll, I'll put it in the distri- description but something like that it's blaze yeah. pascal <laughs> but yeah it, it i love that because it's people are quick to numb thing the the challenges oh, yeah. uh, that they face or you they avoid looking within which is they, they just distract themselves with mm-hmm. the external you know, like the whole famous, like, I'm going to do this and, you know, like and the whole one finger out, four fingers, three fingers, whatever, pointing back. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't, are quick to blame versus mm-hmm. looking within. It's uncomfortable and we have an ego and the ego protects us from pain, you mm. know? So we, the ego says, I'm fine. I don't need to work on myself. I don't need to change. I don't need help. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's protecting the vulnerable piece of you that's in grief or sadness or anger or trauma you know like there's some something is protecting so the ego is just doing its job and and most people are listening to the ego most Mm. people are saying no i'll be fine you know i'm going to deny everything that's happening over here i'm not going to deal with it i'm not going to look at it i'm going to go drink or do this or you know explode on my friends or whatever it's when you have the ability to sit through that and sit with yourself and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to look at my pain. I'm going to look at my whatever. Yeah. Deal with it. Well then, I mean, then you have freedom because and it's not that hard once you actually do it. It's just the ego. It just doesn't want to do it. it it's like the, the whole, what you resist persists. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's my tattoo. Like it says ego is the enemy. Cause like, it was like that whole year. It was like, like I'd say the first month was a, a lot of it was sitting with a lot of the stuff I lost after jail. Like right after I got out of jail, I was evicted. Mm. <laughs> and that at the same simultaneously, I was allowed to see my kid. You and, weren't allowed to? No. Oh, no. Because yeah, this uh, somehow uh, child protective services got involved, and they told they they convinced my son's mom to put a restraining order on me for a short time. Mm. So wow. yeah, and then while we were like we were just trying to figure it out, and this is it's just the whole the situation just got really out of hand. That could have been resolved, but I think it was necessary to. I'd say like there's this whole thing. That reminded myself when I was in my jail cells, like, I chose this. I just wasn't aware of it. Like, 
because I, I could easily point the finger at I don't know my mom my neighbors the police whatever all this stuff but like I am there there <laughs> so I made some I somehow made this decision and a lot of it was like hints of like my my I, I would say episodes of anger like not like rage but like when I would be triggered when I would be short on with people when I would be impatient it was like the whole I think Oprah said it you know if life comes at you to whisper at first then it all comes knocking like when I feel like the universe is was trying to teach me before mm-hmm. but it's like all right you're not listening so it's like this is this is I didn't want to have to do this but you're gonna have to learn the hard way so <laughs> so in that in a sense was like the one of the shittiest moments I experienced was one of the greatest gifts I got so well, also you probably didn't numb yourself out to that moment you probably faced it yeah so you yeah. got the lesson you yeah. got to, to move forward from it than yeah it was rough like then just meditating in my jail cell helped <laughs> I started there <laughs> it was like because like you know I'm, not, I'm just there by myself in my jail cell and I'm like I have nothing to do there's a bible I can work out I can meditate I can read <laughs> so I needed to like control my running thoughts somehow so meditation has always been a tool so I really needed it then and there and then I needed to feel like I can get out of it like so I started reading the bible I'm not a religious guy but it was like it was nice to have something to give me hope that I can become better mm-hmm. so yeah I mean a lot of the stuff in my opinion is really like yeah, I'm gonna touch on something that you, you mentioned earlier but a lot of it is the self-work or even self-mastery like I think one of my favorite quotes and it comes from like different different people I think they said it in the art of war I know it's in, in the Bible it's like the it's like self-mastery or self-control is much more powerful than controlling a thousand armies an army of a thousand or whatever like that mm-hmm. because you know if you can control your emotions in any storm if you can control yourself like and when i say controlling your emotions that doesn't mean like pushing it aside which is a common i think misconception from people so yeah I it's mean, just it is the hardest thing you know when you can actually really deal with yourself and sit still and sit in your in your shit <laughs> and, like, <laughs> And 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 face it, and then deal with it, and and move forward in love and openness and connection to the world. That makes you a stronger person, you know. But a lot of people will go to war over their traumas, you know. Mm. I think that Hitler is a great example of that. Like he had a lot of trauma from childhood. He had a lot of stuff, you know. And it, if you read any stories about him, you'll. you'll read about things that you know he went through when he was younger along with like heartbreak you know and they just really shaped him and and he never dealt with his stuff and so he is very powerful in his ego you know Mm. yeah one thing i love that you said earlier was like you know a lot of people try to like get their a lot of people try to get their power from the ego but i think a lot of the power really is in the invulner the the vulnerability it's because it's probably one of the most scariest things to do, mm-hmm. but the most releasing and most powerful thing. It's almost like freestyling in a like in a cipher in a sense. Yeah. It's like you're. It's scary because 
all eyes are on you watching but when you do it it's such a release and same you know i would i would compare that definitely to like freestyle dancing versus choreography like there is a there's a little bit more ego in the choreography thing i think because it's like how can i how can i achieve this goal and you know and, and match what's going on in front of me because there's some ego projection of I want to look like that versus mm. choreographers you know the choreographer themselves may be in their actual vulnerability and artistry but like for sure a freestyler is like a freestyle dancer is in their artistry and their vulnerability in their creation you know and that takes a lot more courage yeah because it's yeah. like yeah, then to repeat something and try and make yourself look good, you know, in a choreography, not to like say anything about, I mean, like I'm not the best choreography dancer in the world, you know, but I just think that that freestyle space is a really vulnerable space of creation where um, stuff will come out of you, you know, and you let it, then it's actually doing. Yeah, I, I can uh, agree in that, like when I've freestyled and I let go in a sense, like, and it takes a couple rounds for, like, I'd say, like, like the judging mind to just let go. Uh, even then, it's hard. It, I feel like it's a, it's very elusive. But I start doing movements and moves that I normally wouldn't do when I just mm-hmm. let go, which is very different. And when choreography, there's structure, and it, you can feel freedom in a sense where you feel confident and you fully understand the choreography that you're not thinking about it so much. Mm-hmm. But it's very different when you have total freedom and control of your movement mm-hmm. and you're just, I'd say, speaking from the soul to your dance. Yeah. So, and both, both I think are great. Like, like the way I view with it is like, you know, choreography would be like a structured day and a freestyle would be a relaxed day. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes from the Groovaloos is like, sometimes life can't be choreographed. Sometimes you got to freestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> we're reaching like an hour and a half. <laughs> so um, I'm going to do some quick rapid fire questions. And by the way, did David text or anything? Oh, like, wow. No. We went from dance to just like <laughs> talking about healing. Yeah. And life. No, I have nothing from Dave. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, this is I, this is one of the reasons I love the solo episodes because we go the direction that based off you know where your life is at. Your Rosie's was a completely different episode and uh, versus Jamie's. So like, I'm really excited to every to hear everyone else's because yeah. it's it's your perspective and everything is I think it it definitely hits the the spectrum of educational and empowering because it's like man this is stuff that I don't, I don't think it would never maybe it might be i don't listen to many other dance podcasts but i think i just think people need to hear this like the importance of self-work yeah all right so you ready for some rapid fire questions sure okay sure. so i'm gonna drop like 10 on you okay so okay what is one of your weird quirks i I have to get up early in the morning or I don't feel good about myself. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) I used to feel that way, like uh, pre-Rona. I used to wake up at 3.30. Yeah, well, okay, not that early. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would say pre-Rona was a 5 a.m. deal or 5.30, you know, but now it's like 6.30. Uh, Yeah, I've I've really relaxed on myself. 
and I, it took a while to be like you're you there's no need to rush yeah the reason i did i woke up at 3 30 was because i need because i had to at, at three o'clock in the afternoon i pick up my son and i'm in dad mode oh but so you need to get everything else done before then. yeah so but now that he's with his mom and he's being homeschooled practically you know there's no need for me to rush to wake up and yeah so it's like yeah okay um, if you could be any animal what would it be and why i would be a panther because panthers are agile and they're super intuitive and they're super smart and super fast and they're really really strong mm. what is your favorite memory Oh, my favorite memory. I mean, I want to go with something recent, actually. Uh, this year, I was really, I really felt like I had it, like it all together, which is a weird thing to say. Like, I felt like I had my whole life together. I was in, I was in another dance troupe and New Year's Eve, we performed and we had, we had a gig at a big like banquet hall thing. And I was standing on the stage and there was a, a portion of it that was like freestyle of like go-go dancing. We were just like, you know, just moving our arms around, just dancing. And then just part, part of the party. And it was midnight and it was a countdown. And I just felt like, wow, I'm on stage on New Year's Eve. It's the countdown right now. I'm getting paid. I have like these dance companies for this year and I have like all these things happening and all my travels. And I was like, this year is going to be amazing. <laughs> like COVID. We all thought. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was the most recent amazing moment was I was on that stage at the countdown for the mm-hmm. 2020 and I and I felt like I had everything I wanted in my life. That feels like a movie-like moment. <laughs> you know, like when everything is happening and everything just slows down. Yeah. And, and, and then cue dramatic music. <laughs> like 10, <laughs> 9, <laughs> 8. I can <laughs> see it. <laughs> and I was like dancing. I was like, this year's going to be amazing. <laughs> Man, we all had hopes for this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I just had it. What's the song you most you play often? I don't know if you would know it. It's uh, do you know an artist called Odessa? Yes. Yeah. So it's only. Yeah, actually, I actually have it on my phone right now. It's only is one of my favorite songs. By oh, way. nice. It reminds me of actually the jungle in Bali. <laughs> it reminds me. It just makes me think about like being out there in the jungle, saving those trees. <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't do if you weren't doing what you were doing? <laughs> this is so redundant. <laughs> I can't answer that question. I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. But I think if I wasn't, I mean, I think I might be a full-time dancer. I think I would be, I would love, if I wasn't doing this, I'd love to be 100% dancing. Well, and singing. I want to sing, but I don't have time to do that. So I would be a full-time dancer and singer. That's what I would be doing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. If, honestly, if I wasn't a dancer, I would I would have probably pursued singing as well yeah. like as a I like as probably a, a folk singer what? <laughs> yeah. folk singer? I like folk I, not a lot of people know but I like folk music so. all right okay <laughs> so yeah uh, what would you do on Mars for fun take pictures have a have a oh have a, like a Coachella dance concert oh that'd be cool how no what is your biggest addiction 
right now, my biggest addiction is Instagram because I'm putting out all of my Instagram posts on Instagram. It's actually a problem because I've never had this problem before. I never was addicted to social media. And now I'm actually in COVID. I've been looking at Instagram <laughs> every single day, multiple times a day. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> it's a dangerous <laughs> It's good and bad. It's a good and bad thing. Yeah. Like, you know, the negative where it could be like, or it affects your mindset. The other one's like your business, which mm-hmm. is like what I love that you're doing. Uh, what's your favorite sport to watch? Basketball. Really? Yeah. You're yeah. into basketball? I know, right? I'm from Cleveland, okay? And I lived in San Francisco the entire time that the Cavs and the Warriors were um, battling each other, like for the playoffs. So I was actually working at Equinox in downtown San Francisco, which had a basketball court, which is where the Cavs would come into town and practice. So I saw them all. Yeah, I would see LeBron. I would see these guys, like, and and they were practicing in the basketball court, and then they were training throughout the gym. So I was like walking around. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like. Dang. So is it, or is the Cavs your team? Actually. Or you're just like a LeBron fan. <laughs> I'm a LeBron fan, and I was rooting for the Warriors. I I wow. spent so much time in San Francisco that I became a Warriors fan. Are you still a Warriors fan? I'm still a Warriors fan. I love Steph Curry, and I don't know. I love the the spirit in San Francisco that was happening through all that, and um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. I mean, in case you guys didn't know, like we we this is dance and other stuff. Or just the common things we talk about. Sports, I automatically assume not, not a lot of dancers into sports. Are, are into that much sports unless like I get a vibe from them. And yeah, you don't get that vibe from me. <laughs> I definitely don't get that vibe from you at all. I'm like, what, girl? So we can nerd out about basketball. <laughs> that's so cool. That's that's badass. Oh, oh. well, it's a, it's, a, it's a shame you're a Warriors fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, there was so many. I actually knew someone who worked for the Warriors, like on staff for their sales team or something. And so I got to go to the, also the Warriors stadium. So you used to go out there and hang out at the at their offices and then go um, hang out on the basketball court. Like I got to go down and, and Dang. the Warriors basketball court. So... I kind of got heavily influenced by people in the Bay Area. I mean, I mean <laughs> if anything, I was glad that they took that they, because <laughs> I was a LeBron hater at the time. <laughs> uh, I was like, don't like, but at first it was like, don't let LeBron win. And, uh, and then I was like, all right, let Cleveland have a championship. <laughs> at least one, <laughs> you know? And then I was, and then I saw that that Warriors was just stacked. I'm like, damn. We need to stop the Warriors. <laughs> You're talented, Warriors. yeah. Because I, I, for a while, I was calling them like, and I'm like, they were the Avengers, <laughs> and then LeBron was Thanos. Because like the Warriors had a super team. They did. They did have a super team. Yeah. I mean, the Cavs was all LeBron. Yeah, it was. Like he was carrying the whole team. Yeah. The difference, teamwork, man. Yeah. All a group. Dude, a lot, a lot of my uh, leadership philosophy came from Phil Jackson. Oh really? Yeah. Because okay. wow. I, when I was like trying to figure out my own style of leadership with my competitive crew, I was like, "How do we create a winning mentality or even more winning culture?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Why not Phil Jackson?" Yeah. Worked with Michael Jordan, one of the most mm-hmm. talented people, probably had a big ego as well, and then and then get all these talented people to work together and repeat. 
so many times. Yeah. So, and then it's a philosophy that I took the fan base and I would like to take into, into, what do you call it? Into temper tantrum. Cause I, yeah. which is one of the reasons I like the, I value company culture a lot. Like I goof off cause it, it's part of who I am. And I, mm-hmm. I like measuring culture by the amount of laughter there is. Oh, wow. We yeah. definitely have that in temper tantrums. We definitely have that. Because it's, it's like, if, if no one's laughing, are they having fun? Yeah. You know, like, obviously, we, we take our work seriously. But, like, if no one's, if there's no freedom to be, a, to shoot the shit, be comfortable with each other, then I feel like then there is, like, a disconnect. Yeah. Or lack definitely. of comfort. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to this. Wow. I'm, like, all, all over the place with this podcast, going from dance to self-healing dance to, to, self-healing to and basketball. basketball. <laughs> Run. So cool. All right. Are you a, Oh, no. You answered that already. Never mind. You, you're a morning person. I'm a morning person. Yeah. Yes. So that doesn't count. Oh, this was a fun, fun This is an interview question. I was not question. always, though. I was not always a morning person. Yeah, I was I was not taking care of myself for a long period of time and I and I trained myself to be a morning person. I wanted to do my yoga in the morning and take better care of myself. Me too. Like uh, what was the switch for that? Like like excuse me, like I need to just do this. The switch was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> the switch was being out with too many dancers and people in entertainment and out in clubs and everyone was drinking. Everyone was like, you know, there was like, That's you true. know, when you're in nightlife yeah. and you're in that whole world, like people are drinking and drinking. And I just, I, I like, I got off the floor. I'm a, <laughs> that's true and dancers have a tendency to hang out late so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go out all right so uh, i'm not going to count that question so <laughs> so but here's a one what would you if you won a million dollars what would you do i would start a healing center for women somewhere in the world like maybe in bali or thailand and connect it to the middle east and yeah create a whole system actually i would probably need to start something like that online but yeah i would invest my money into something like that that's cool that's actually an interview question i do with people oh, like really? when i'm interviewing for hires because it tells me immediately their values oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> what would your superhero powers be <laughs> huh my superhero powers I would love to be able to shape shift and like move by snapping my finger from like one place to another. Oh, there. That's like, useful in LA. <laughs> <laughs> be like, well, tonight I have to go to San Francisco. Boom. And then just go to San Francisco and be with my friends up there. Dude, imagine how many book, how many gigs you can just book like that. Yeah. And then you could just be everywhere all the time. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got a, I got a gig in Bali tomorrow morning. yeah that's a great power yeah last rapid fire question what is the thing you're most afraid of i think what i'm most afraid of is being single for the rest of my life because i like my life too much i get like you want someone fucking it up (laughs) (laughs) like babe like uh, you know we're gonna go go get dinner i want cuddles like no bitch i'm working (laughs) (laughs) i mean i just yeah i feel like People ask me, they're like, how come you're single? And I'm like, because I don't have time and I don't put focus on it. And I, and like having a boyfriend would take me away from like a belly dance gig or performing with you guys at Universal Studios or, you know, like these are my Saturday nights. Like this is, 
you know, so I do, I am afraid of being single for the rest of my life. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I definitely felt that way before I got into my recent relationship. Like it could start, especially when I was, I think in the earlier stages of my company and I was going super like 12 hour days, it's, you know, it, we, it's like, I think people like us who work for ourselves are super or hyper aware of our how valuable our time is because mm-hmm. we don't clock in yeah. clock out we're like they think what, what we do with our time really matters because it yeah. it's it could be the, the the it's the essential brick that lays the that continues building our quote-unquote working empire yeah yeah so, so yeah i think you have to find someone that's gonna work in sync with your life yeah i mean I mean, yeah, that's a. I'm sure there'll be someone that that balances you out. <laughs> I mean, I was hesitant with uh, my girlfriend because I was like, "Damn, I gotta like, you know, time, time." Mm-hmm. Like, but then you know, it it be she became more of like the emotional support that I don't have, like that, and someone who can be patient with me when I'm like having a rough day. Mm-hmm. Like out uh, with especially dealing with, like with clients who are just who don't get the creative process mm-hmm. <laughs> and are trying to rush things, yeah. And then yeah, it it, it it it's nice, and I think it's good to be patient about that. Yeah. All right. You ready for the last question? Yeah. All right. What's what is your social security number? <laughs> Pen and paper, folks. Pen and paper. Get ready. (laughs) No, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? I want them to say that she changed my life. She affected my life in some really powerful way. She she influenced me to follow my dreams. Yeah. Hmm. Good. You like how I went from like super fun to like deep, (laughs) 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 the to like to to like really keep you off your keep you on your toes. I like that. Yeah, you're a good interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I I mean, I told you like a lot of this is like organic, and I get really curious. Mm -hmm. So I just go based off like, all right, my like, let's ask about this. So yeah. But yeah, that's it. Where can people find you online to connect with you with whether as a dancer or a healer or a magician or a mage or or (laughs) a basketball fellow basketball fan? Or a Warriors fan. Warriors fan. (laughs) Everyone assumes that folks I'm from Cleveland, I have to be a Cavs fan. The whole time you were saying that, I was like, I wonder if she likes the Cavs. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So my Instagram for dance is Urban Priestess at the Urban Priestess, and the Instagram for my business is Embodied by Safira. So at Embodied by Safira, and Embodied by Safira has the links to my website and all that stuff. Dope. So everything she just mentioned it is going to be in the in the description down below with the links. I'll make sure you give her a follow, show her some love, and if you, I, if I really encourage you guys, if you are curious about doing some of that self work, which I think is essential to get in towards any next level in your life, I would suggest giving Safira a call, connect with her. I've done, I haven't done pers- any work directly with Safira, but 
I've done some of the uh, self-work myself through meditation, through therapy, all this other stuff. Uh, you know, as adults, we feel we, there's this projection that we have to have it figured out. <laughs> in reality, it's like I think life is a constant unveiling and learning and continuing to improve ourselves. So connect with her. I really think it's something powerful and give her a follow. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode of Throwing Tantrums or Move, Groove, Grow podcast, depending on where I put this. And I appreciate you guys for listening. Have a great day, life, month, week, year, 2020, 21, 23, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.